speak through us. Allow your Holy Spirit, who is the teacher. Let not one word fall from the table, but let every word be consumed by your spirit within us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. First Samuel's chapter number 17. Um, before we go into our text for this morning, I want to share a dream that I had this morning. I guess the dream was around 5 o'clock in the morning, between 5 and 6, because when I really came up, when I really woke up, it was 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. And in this dream, I, 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 I saw, and for some reason, I don't know why I thought it was my brother, my brother who's deceased, but, but I did see a man. And he had um, he circled, a circle on his cheek, and it looked like a, a ringworm. It looked like a ringworm. And then I saw myself, and I saw, I saw that same circle on my cheek. And when I began to take off my clothing, I saw a, a circle like that same ringworm on my arm. And then I saw it again. It was like it was spreading. And the Lord spoke in a dream, and he said, there's coming another virant or virus or whatever you want to call it. And it is going to be worse than what we are experiencing now. That it will be very, very, very contagious. And I woke up and, and I've, um, I've been heavy in my spirit. And I, I told my Dr. Manley this morning, I said, I had a dream. And I said, uh, what's coming? It's going to be a whole lot worse than what we are experiencing now. So I say to all of us, and I promise the Lord that whenever he showed me anything, whenever he tell me anything, I would, I would definitely uh, share it with the people. And he said, don't just share it locally. He said, but I want you to tell it worldwide. And so that is what we're doing this morning. So we need to prepare ourselves for what's coming. Very contagious, very contagious, spreading rapidly. So please, ma'am, and please, sir, just don't take this thing lightly. All right? All right. Now, we're going to go to the book of uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And last week, um, we talked about being battle ready, being, uh, being battle ready. Today, the Lord is saying that the challenge, we're, go we're going to be challenged. He talks about the challenge but then he's also saying about being dressed for the battle. We've got to be dressed for the battle. Most of the time when we talk about being dressed for the battle, immediately we go to Ephesians chapter number 6. Amen. But, but now we want to look at what the Lord is talking about, about being dressed for the battle and the challenge. And we're going to begin the very first verse in chapter number 17 of First Samuels. Verse 1 says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and they were gathered together at Shochem, which belongeth to Judah, and they pitched between 
Shokum and Zechiah and Ephraim. Now, there's a lot in that verse number one if we really take the time to see what God is saying. This place where they have gathered together for battle is a place where they had already once had a victory. This is where Israel had had their last victory. You'll find that in, in the book of Joshua. You'll find that in the book of Joshua where they had already had a victory. But now the enemy has them back in that same place. So the Lord says to me, he said, Brenda, tell my people that the next challenge that we will be experiencing, it will be at the last place you had your victory. I want you to think about that. Soak it in. The last place that you had your victory, that is where the enemy is going to come and visit you at your last place of victory. You have to remember that, that during that time in Joshua the, where the, is where the sun stood still. And the Bible talks about how the Lord allowed a hailstorm to come and it killed more people in the army than Joshua. But, but he spoke, and, he, and, and Joshua uh, commanded that the sun would stand still. And when, they, when it stood still, they ended the battle, and they had won. But something happened between then and now where we are in First Samuel. What has happened is they had turned away from God. So what the enemy is, is going to try to do, and, and, and he may have already, but he will do it. Whatever your last place of victory, that is where he is going to challenge you. Hmm. This is where he's going to challenge you. Now, verse number two says, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Okay? Now, reading verse number 3, it says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. Now, they're both standing in, in, in elevated places. The enemy is in a, a high place, and so are the children of Israel. They're, they're both standing there. They're at odds with one another. Now, that word Philistines, that means immigrants or invaders, okay? Now, when you look at verse number 3, it also talks about there was a valley between them. There was a valley between them. One's in a high place, the other one's in a high place, and then there is the middle ground of the valleys where the nutrients are. And it's important that you get your nutrients because that is how you grow. Think when you're in your, when you, thank you, Holy Spirit. When you're in your low state, that's when you need to be eating from your valley. Not when you're elevated state, but when you're in your low state, that's when you need to be eating. And this is the reason why. Looking at verse number four, it says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gat, 
whose height was six cubits and a span. The next thing the Lord says when it comes down to your, to your challenge and the enemy challenging you in your last victory, he says, do not, do not think that your enemy is an ordinary enemy. Your enemy is not an ordinary enemy. He is a champion. He is, he is a, he is a survivor. He, when you, when you think about the enemy, think about the giant. Goliath was a giant. And we're going to drop down. We're going to drop down a little bit in the natural. We're going to come down a little bit. Goliath is a giant. He and his, his ancestors, the, the, the giants, they survived the flood. He's a survivor. He survives the flood, okay? The Bible talks about in the book of Deuteronomy of the, the land of the giants, and they were called the Zamzumians. These are the land, these are the giants in that land. And in 2 Samuel chapter 21, it even began to describe one. It talked, they had six fingers and six toes, and they were about 11 to 12 feet tall in 2 Samuel chapter number 21. So God says, do not underestimate your enemy. That's why we are so often defeated, because we underestimate our enemy. You got to remember now, he's a champion. Anytime anybody's a champion, that means they have defeated a lot of people, right? They have defeated a whole lot. And he says, do not underestimate your enemy. Don't underestimate it. Because he's been around a long time. That's why we don't need to underestimate the devil. He's been here from the beginning. <laughs> you know, we don't need to underestimate, underestimate him because he will use whomever he so desires to use. And what we will do, we will look at the person rather than looking at the spirit. Because it's a spirit that's operating. Okay? Now, let's look at verse number five. We're going to look at the enemy's armor. Compared to our armor. This is his armor. Verse number 5. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. And reading verse number 5. It says, And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. First thing we need to look at is, is, is his helmet. It says his helmet was of brass. What's our helmet? What does the word say? What is our helmet? The helmet of what? Helmet of what? Salvation. All right? So his helmet is totally opposite because brass represents field. Okay? Now, his, 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 his helmet is totally opposite of Ours, because see, when it comes down to salvation, that has to come through Jesus Christ. Okay, and so, so then the next thing he the Bible says is that he was armed with a coat of mail. I said, okay, God, what is the coat of mail? He said he's armed with twisted truth. Have you ever known Satan tell the truth? He's armed. That coat of mail is twisted truth. See, that's how he deceived Adam and Eve. He presented something to them, and it appeared as if it was true. 
But he is so manipulative to the point where they believe it was twisted truth. You, let's come home. Let's let's come on down to us because you know some of us sometimes we 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 think we're more than what we really are. Have you ever told a lie? You start off. T- oh oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's like this. I can use. I'm gonna use me because I'm a woman, right? Or I can use us women, okay? Sometimes we 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 go shopping, or sometimes we we go to the grocery store and we buy, and we have a, a set amount that we're supposed to spend, right? So when we come back, and they uh, our companions ask us, well, how much did you spend? We don't always tell the whole truth because what? Now I see one brother said, "Mm-hmm, thank you, thank you, thank you, elder." Thank you. They'll always tell the whole truth. So in other words, that's the that's twisted truth. Truth is in it, but so is a lie. Because you know how it is, you can always go with a list, but you always, when you come out of that store, you got something else besides what's on the list. Anybody been there beside me? I do it all the time. Amen. Amen. I, you know, the Holy Spirit knows when we need to come on home. Amen. He knows when we need to drop down and deal with truth and reality. Amen. About what, what, we, what we do. So, so the enemy, he gives us twisted truth. He makes it appears to be right when in actuality is wrong. He, he, he tells Adam and Eve, oh, you're going to be like a God. God don't want you to know that. What, they, what he failed to tell them, they were already that. And see, oftentimes we don't even know who we are. And that's how the enemy cons us and have us doing things we ought not to be doing or not believing and knowing who we are in him. And the Lord is what I mean. So the enemy, he's, he's, he's clothed with a, a coat of mail which is twisted truth. And then verse number 6 says, And he had grays of brass upon his legs and a target of brass upon his shoulders. Verse 7 says, And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. Nothing can penetrate it. And one bearing a shield went before him. When I looked at that, and we said one bearing a shield ran before him, he didn't need nobody running before him. When you look at his armor and you look at his size, why would he put a little peon in front of him? It had to be only for a distraction because it couldn't be for nothing else. He had one that was running before him with a shield. A little shield, and he's got this humongous shield. This is his armor. You see, the same way we have an armor, the adversary has an armor too. But it's made from different stuff. Okay? All right, now, let's, do, let's go over to verse number 11. Because, see, the enemy, he will bully you. The enemy will talk junk to you. Amen? Now, if we don't know who we are and we don't know the word of God, then we will fall for the enemy's tricks. He is using some trickster trees right now. He's using stuff on people right now. Amen? I mean, right now he's really using stuff. Looking at verse number 11 and 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11 says, When Saul and all of Israel heard those words 
of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid when they heard the words of the enemy. Not that he had done anything. He just spoke. You hear what the enemy is saying, and all of a sudden, now you picture it in your mind like Elijah when Jezebel, when she spoke, told him she's going to kill him. She sent that she sent that message, but he saw what she said. And see, the thing is, they were afraid because of the words of the enemy. We cannot be afraid of the words of the enemy. Amen. See, that's a challenge for us because, thank you, Holy Spirit. No. Sometimes we, when the doctor, we go to the doctor and he tells us we got a sickness or whatever, first thing we do is what? We get afraid. We don't think about what God has told us by his stripes we are healed. All we hear is the words of the enemy. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1, verse number 7. Do we have that up? 2 Timothy chapter 1, is that right? Verse number seven. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of what? Fear. Of fear. So what, is, what does it say fear is? What does it say fear is? Fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. The Bible says, God says, he has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So why are we afraid? We have not been given. Where did it come from then? If God didn't give us the spirit of fear and we operate in fear, well, where did fear come from? It came from Satan. See, we have to know the word of God. You see, it says that in Samuel, it says, when they heard the words, it said they became dismayed and they became afraid. They began to operate in fear. Amen. But the Bible says to us, God didn't give us that spirit of fear. God didn't do that. Satan gave us that spirit of fear. It did not come from the master. Amen. So we have to be very careful in what we are listening to and what we are saying. That's why I don't pay that coronavirus thing too much attention, if I can say that. Amen. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear. But we, we operate in fear, right? We operate in fear. If we operate in what God told us to do in the book of Isaiah and go shut ourselves in until his indignation passes over. But most of us don't want to shut ourselves in. Amen. We don't want to shut ourselves in because we are creatures that like to go. We, we, we like to continue. We like movement. But God is telling us that his indignation is, is happening because, see, so much stuff is going on in opposite of what truth is. God has to, re- has to bring us in some type of way because the body of Christ is out of control. The body of Christ is out of control. Now, let, let, let's continue. Let's continue. Now, the next thing we want to look at is 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Looking at verse 
number 19. Okay, verse number 19. Okay, remember now, not only are we going to face challenges, but we got to be dressed for the battle. Now, look at verse number 19. It says, Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, which means strength. It's in the valley of strength. They were fighting with the Philistines. All right? Where were they at fighting? Saul and they and all the men of Israel, they were in the where? The valley. They were in the valley. They've come from the mountaintop. Now they're in the valley. Now the valley is where your nutrients are. In the valley is where you gain your strength. But your valley is also your place of weakness. See, you win your battle when you are in your weak state. Most of us think that we win the battle when we're on that mountaintop. Mm-mm. That's opposite of what the scripture says. We're going we're gonna to show you that. You see, the battle now, the battle is in your valley. See, and the reason why the battle is in your valley, because that is where your nutrients are. You need nutrients to grow. And now let's go. Let's go to, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Oh, it's warm up here. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter, did I say 12? Looking at verse number 9, is that where we are? Yeah. Now, remember now, Paul has a thorn in his flesh, okay? He's begging God to remove that which he has, but it was given to him, it says, by Satan to buffle him because he had received revelatory knowledge. He had gone up to the third heavens. He had been to a place where he's not able to alter what he has seen. All right? Now, verse number 9 in chapter 12, of Second Corinthians says, And he said unto me, Paul's talking, God's speaking to him, And he said unto me, My grace... Is sufficient for thee. Watch the next place. For my strength is made perfect where? In weakness. See, we got we have a problem when we think we're weak. But see, that's where your strength is perfected. When when you come to a point where you know you can't do it. See, that's the problem. When we think we can do it, no, we can't. See, God's strength cannot be made perfect or matured in us until we become weak. That becoming weak means we are relying on him. We have to rely on God. He said his strength is made perfect in weakness. And then he says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory In my infirmities. Now, that word infirmities means the same thing as the word weakness does in the Greek. And it says that, look at this, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, the power of Christ can't rest upon you until you get to that place of your weakness. See, this is what he says. He says now, I'll glory in my infirmities that the power, how many of y'all want the power of Christ to rest on you? 
then we need to come out of that high place and say we're so strong. No, he says now that the power of Christ may rest upon me because he's got the glory in himself and his infirmities and his weaknesses so the power of Christ can rest upon him. In other words, so Christ can be magnified in us. And he has to be magnified. Go into verse number, number 10. I think we have verse number 10. All right, verse number 10. It says, therefore... Boy, please, Lord, help me get to this place. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in my weaknesses, in persecutions, in distresses. For whose sake? For Christ's sake. For when I am what? When I am weak, then am I strong. Stop begging God to to give you all this strength. Because then we would think we can operate in ourselves. Ego will rise up. But, but the word is saying now that we are made perfect in our weaknesses, okay? We win the battles in our weak state. Some folks say, well, I don't, I don't want to be. Well, you, if you, won't, you won't have Christ resting on you. You'll never see the power of God rest upon you if we're going to operate in self. It's only when you have to totally rely on God. That's when your, 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 your strength, your weaknesses will become the strength of God in you. Amen? All right. Now, let's go back to 1 Samuel. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Going back there. All right? Now, we're going to be dressed for the battle, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to look... At verse number 38. You, you got to understand about the arsenal of man and the arsenal of God. What we did, we, we looked and we saw the enemy's armor. Okay? Now, looking at verse number 38 in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Verse 38 says, watch, be careful. Remember now, we're for the battle. Last week, we're battle ready. Now we're dressed for the battle. Watch verse number 38. And Saul, who is the king, he armed David with whose armor? His armor. And he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. What did you see in that? Hmm. He arms David with his armor. Well, his armor, the helmet of brass, is the same thing that the enemy had on. Did y'all see that? The enemy, Goliath, he had on a helmet of brass. Now Saul, who was the king that was supposed to be out there fighting, Leading people, now he's giving David his armor. His armor was the helmet of brass, and he had on a coat of mail, twisted too. Be careful who you let dress you for battle. You be careful who you let dress you. Because, see, the reason why Saul did that is because the Bible says a house divided can't stand. So it's two enemies working, and two enemies working. You never know who is in your circle until you check them out. You got to know. 
Here he is. He's in a top position. The Saul, the king. But he has got twisted tooth. No wonder he couldn't win the battle. Because he didn't want to fight against himself and destroy himself. Because the Bible says now, you know, a house divided against itself, it can't stand. Watch who you allow to dress you for battle. This is a season. Not tell us that. This is a season now where we are going to be challenged with battles in life, one battle after another battle after another battle after another battle. Okay? Now, watch this. Watch this. Watch, watch this. Watch this. Verse number 39. Remember now, got twist, you, you, you got twisted truth for your armor because that's what your, your king want to give you. All right? And you got a helmet of brass when you're supposed to have a helmet of salvation. Okay? Now, verse 39 says, And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. First of all, he trusted him enough to allow him to put that mess on him. Okay? But then he come to the understanding. He said, I, I can't go in this. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot go in this because I have not proved this. See, what he had proved was that he knew the power of God. Because he began to talk about the lion and, and, and the bear that he had defeated, but only through the power of God. But you do not allow, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. Do not allow man to dress you for battle in this season. Because if you allow the twisted truth that man gives you in this season, you won't be able to win nothing. You won't win no war. You won't even win the battle. Make sure you know who is dressing you. I thank God that David, the beloved, had enough sense to take off that armor. See, we got to throw away twisted truth. As Dr. Manley say, and I, I don't like to use that word, but Dr. Manley called it pissy water. Now, you know, you know that, that, that's what he called it, you know what I'm saying? That's what he called it, you know. It, it started off clear. By the time somebody keep on adding untruths in it, you got some pee water. You understand? The alphabet pee. I'm trying to be nice up here, okay? So, so you got to be careful who is dressing you in this season. Because this season is a season of battles in all of our lives. Everybody don't have the same battle, but we all have battles. Amen. We, we, we all have battles. And then David said, he said, I cannot go with these. See, you got to prove. You got to know without a shadow of a doubt that the weapons that you have has been proven by God. They have been tested. I had day before yesterday. Yesterday. This morning I had the dream about the virus. Yesterday I had a different dream. I dreamt about a person that I had not seen in years. And I found it strange that when I woke up that I had dreamed about that person. I had dreamt that, that her family, her sons were in trouble. 
I could not understand the dream, and, and it took me a minute, and finally the Spirit prompted me to send her a message. I didn't even have a telephone number. I sent her a message, and I said, I had a dream about you last night, night before last. And she says, what did you dream? Do you have an interpretation? I said, I don't have an interpretation, but I can tell you what the dream was. I had no clue that, 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 that she on Monday had had a dream about her songs that were in trouble. You see, one thing we can, we can, we can test too, and everybody has to speak for themselves, you have to know the power of prayer. Amen. You can, you can, you can lay before God and you can pray and God will work and God will move. We have come in agreement that whatever is coming up against her family, that God will intervene. I know it's been a good 15 years since she and I have even communed verbally one to another. So I knew it was God. And, and then when, she, when, when we talked, she said, I know that it's God. She began to talk about the different things that, that the Lord had showed her in a dream that she had about her family, what, was going, what had happened or was going to happen to her son. But whenever we have tried and proven the weapons that we have, prayer is a powerful weapon. Why we don't pray, I just don't understand. I, I do not understand why the body of Christ do not pray. Because that's one of the things that God says. He says, now, if my people will humble themselves, seek his face, pray, turn from their wicked ways, prayer is in there. He said, they will turn. He said, then he said, I will heal the land. See, if we started praying, faithfully praying, laying our face, I truly believe without a shadow of a doubt that our land would be healed. But we don't want to pray no more. We don't even want to read the Word of God anymore. At least believe the Word of God. So, so we've got to understand now, we, we, we have to be ready to have our weaponry ready and, and be able to prove your faith. Your faith is, a, is, is another component that you've got to know what you can prove. You can believe. You can believe God for whatever you believe in God for. I don't care if it takes five years, ten years, seventeen years, fifteen. If you believe God, if you stand on that, if you stand on faith, believe in what God says. See, that's a, something that's proven. You you tested it, you tried it. Regardless of what anybody else says, you've got to stand on the foundation of faith that God has given you. Come hell or high water. You got to stand because, see, man will arm you with twisted truths. You'll never get any better. You're going to always be this way. The devil is a lie. Not as long as the blood huh, still rules and operates in this, in this thing called earth. Because the blood of Jesus, I mean, when he shedded his blood, I mean, it took care of everything. We, we, we got to stand on these things. We got to know the weapon. The name of Jesus. They sung that song. And in, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And his using the name of Jesus 
and, and operating in faith behind the name of Jesus, it will cause your enemy to flee. Every knee, I don't care how long they're out there, I don't care how long they're not saved. It says before it's over, every knee will bow and every tongue, I don't care how many folks are that don't believe in my God, but the word of God says every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He is Lord. You care nothing about Buddha and all the rest of them crazies. Oh no. Oh no, no. That that name don't carry nothing. It doesn't carry anything. The only name that carries anything is the name of Jesus. So we got to be dressed. We got to be dressed for battle. And we got to know the power of the name. We don't even want to call his name anymore. People don't want you to call his name. But they can call everybody else's name. That carries no weight nor carries no power. But you start carrying the name of Jesus, you watch them demons tremble. You watch the demons run. That will happen. But we got to be dressed for the battle. Got to be dressed for the battle. Got to be dressed. Now, let's look at, now, let's look at verse number 45. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm hurry along. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Verse 45, it says, then said David to the Philistine. See, this is how you got to get bold with the devil. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the what? The name of the Lord of hosts. Come in the name of Yahweh. The God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defiled. Verse 46 says, this day, not tomorrow, this day will the Lord deliver into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. But you got to be bold. You got to tell the enemy that, listen, my God's going to take off your head. My God's going to do it. My God's going to take off your head. Hmm. Lord have mercy. When God gets through with all this mess that's going on, oh, they're they going to know that's a God. Huh. They will know there is a God now. There is a God. When he start taking, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. When he start taking down all these people, uh-huh, uh-huh, when things begin to be revealed, people are going to know there is a God in America. There is a God. Because, see, God's people are going to start doing what they're supposed to be doing. All right? Now, verse 47, we've got to hurry along. Verse 47 says, And all of this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Don't, don't worry about don't, don't worry about the challenge that the enemy come with. Don't worry about that, because the battle is the Lord's. Watch verse 48. 48 says, And it came to pass, when the Philistines arose, they came and drew nigh 
to meet David, that David haste, watch what he does, and he ran toward the army to meet the the Philistines. Hmm. You see, this is what something we've got to understand. When you talk about he, he ran toward the army, he ran, David ran toward his enemy. See, the only reason why we can't run is because the Bible tells us to let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us. See, we can't run with sin. Sin is weighty. Who is quiet? Sin is weighty. So if you're going to run and defeat your enemy, you got, we've got to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us. Okay? Now, verse 49 says, And David, watch this, And David put his hand in his bag. So you got to know what you're working with. He says, And took this a stone and slung it. And smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. Hmm. Okay. I started asking the Lord a question. Never paid no attention before. Where did the stone hit him? Where did, he, where, did he, where did he aim that stone to, to take down the enemy? Forehead. And his forehead. I said, okay, Lord, what does that mean? What, what does the forehead represent? All right, let's go. Last, last scripture. Ezekiel chapter number 9. Ezekiel chapter number 9. Remember now. He put that stone right in that forehead. Okay? Ezekiel chapter number 9. Let's look at verse number 4. It says, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry, for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. God said, listen, those people that are crying out for God to do something, he's telling, he's, he's telling those people, he said, now listen, I want, I, want you, I want you to put a mark on them, and that mark is in the forehead. And that, that mark is for your protection. See, he, he hits him there because, see, he's not protected by God. See, Goliath is not, is not protected by God. Your enemy is not protected by God. So you got to take him down right there where he has no protection. See, he's not under the umbrella of God, your enemy. So that's where you take him down in forehead. Now, verse 5 says, And to the others, he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Watch verse number 6. 6 says, Slay utterly old and young, both maids, little children, and women. But, here's, here's the catcher, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. See, we ain't got to be afraid. 
As long as you got the mark of God upon you, as long as you got the protection of God upon you, we don't have to be afraid. And oh, and this is what this is what's scary. Is that verse up there? Did they put the verse up? Show me what they said. He's gonna start it. He told them, "Don't come near. No, don't do not come near any man upon whom is the mark." And begin where? Begin where? Begin at my sanctuary. That means everybody in the house, in the sanctuary, is not under the protection of God. He tell them, any man upon whom is the mark, begin at my sanctuary. Look at this. Then they began at the what? The ancient men which were before the house. In other words, he, he began with the, those of guardians of truth. Those that are supposed to know truth. He said, this is where I want you to begin. They, they got to have, if they don't have the mark, not under protection of God, the enemy will wear you out. The enemy will take you down. He said, you got to start. He tell them, because he, in those previous verses before that, he talks about this man that has this ink horn, and, and, and he's writing, and he has it by his side, and he has the mark stuff. You remember Old Testament? He talks about the blood on the doorpost. He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. Do we have the blood? Is it showing on us? Can it see? Can, when, when, when that deaf angel come, or when that enemy come, enemy come will, he, will he see the blood? And what's scary, he says, start at my sanctuary. He didn't say start with the world. Start with my sanctuary. Start with the people of God. That's scary. That means we got to get it. We got to get it together, right? Yes. Amen. We got to get it together. But he said that's where we're gonna start. But we've got to be dressed for the battle. Don't let nobody else dress you. Mm-mm. Don't let nobody else dress you. Mm-mm. Don't do that. Mm-mm. Because you don't know what kind of twisted truth they got. You don't know what kind of coat of mail they carry. You better know this for yourself. I always tell people, listen, can't use that excuse where the preacher didn't tell me. My grandma didn't tell me. Nobody, no, no. What the Bible says is every man is supposed to study. It didn't say read either. It says study. You, that means you put some time in. Study to show yourself approved a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. So it, it's, every man is obligated themselves to know this. Every man. And God don't see gender. That means man, woman, boy, girl, whatever. You got to know this. But you got to get dressed for the battle. Got to get dressed and get, make sure your weaponry. Make sure you've proven it. Make sure you put it to the test. Because the challenges are coming.
They're coming. And because they're coming, only you and you alone know where you are in the realm of God. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. 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 Amen.